I made the mistake of actually putting a post and saying something about my daddy's dot dot dot. Well, my actual father saw the post and he was, what are you talking about me? Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode... Four. No, that just ruins it. (laughs) 100. You know what's next week? What? A palindrome. <laughs> and and binary five. We yeah. get a double whammy. Uh, okay. Anyway, episode 100. That's pretty damn awesome. It's amazing. We're Finn and Emma, and we just want to first off say that we're super excited to have 100 episodes out there, and we can't believe the community that has grown up around this podcast. We're so thankful, and it's yeah. just been amazing. Yeah, thank you to everybody who's helped us get here, who's come on the show, who's provided feedback, who's supported us on Patreon, and used any of the links we've mentioned that have helped fund bits and pieces of this. So Thank you again for everybody. It's been or just a- help spread the word and help spread the word. Yep. Yeah, it's been awesome. And it would not be possible without all of you. So thank you. Thank you. Real quick here, of course, very quick, because we want to get into this because it's an awesome, awesome interview with Lee and Ron. Uh, a couple of quick things about this episode. We're not going to tell you too much about what's going on in it because it's crazy. It's crazy amazing. amazing, and we're super excited to share it, and they're awesome people. But It is also our first male-male relationship. Which but not not our last. No. Hint, hint. Yes, please. People. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out to us. All right, so one quick disclaimer. There is early on an instance of a dog shaking his head viciously, and the collar and the ears are pretty loud. It only happens like once or twice, so just, it's okay. There was no way to edit around it, and uh, it's it, adds it, to it the actually it adds to the ambiance. <laughs> so that's going to happen. What else? Lee has a online store. This is not the reason they came on the show, but we learned about this after they came on, that he has an online store. On Etsy. On Etsy, where he makes chain mail, like, neck uh like collar collars and jewelry and he has given everybody who's listening right now a 10 percent off coupon code and the code is nnmpc10 you don't have to remember that we'll put it in the show notes well we should tell them the name of the etsy shop too it is collars by boz again links will be in the show notes for everything there but thank you to lee for first of all making this stuff and second of all for sharing a little bit of holiday love with our with our friends and yeah fans <laughs> go check it out he makes really cool stuff uh the other thing we wanted to mention a few announcements uh we do talk a lot about stis in this episode and how to navigate that whole conversation and health wise it's a really good conversation uh, but we wanted to mention a resource that we have recently discovered uh it's a podcast called 
something positive for positive people. And it's done by a person named Courtney. And he does an amazing job interviewing and discussing, uh, I guess, interviewing people with that have been diagnosed with an STI and how it doesn't end your life. Yeah, how it impacts your life and ways to navigate that. So we're doing some episode uh, collaboration with him. It'll be in the beginning of the year, but we wanted to just throw a shout out there for his work because it's kick ass and uh, go have a listen and support that if if it sounds up your alley. Yeah, we'll put links to the show in the show notes to that podcast as well. Go check it out. Also, the other announcement is Patreon. Yeah, we have our calls coming up this weekend, December 15th at 9 p.m. Eastern and again at 9 p.m. Pacific time. If you are at all inclined, please come join us. It'll be uh, a Q&A. It'll be a Q&A live video Q&A with us. We will be answering your questions, talking. You'll be able to meet other awesome people in the community. Every month we've done this, it's grown a little bit. So please come join us. Additionally, if you join, there are going to be some raffles for the holidays. It's going to be like Ellen's 12 days of giveaways. <laughs> The slight, on a slightly smaller slightly scale. tighter budget but it'll be very reminiscent of of basically ellen so anybody who's listening who is a patron you'll be getting some of those and if you're not well it sounds like you're gonna want to yeah go check it out links are on our website we should hire that dancing reindeer that sh- the dancing <laughs> rudolph How awesome. we'll look into that that'd be amazing uh another thing we're doing If you've heard the show before, you've probably heard us mention My One Condoms. They do custom fit condoms, and we have partnered with them for a fun little holiday survey. Yeah, there's links to the survey in your uh, podcast app or in the show notes on our website. It's just a fun survey. It has really no bearing on anything. You're not going to win anything by doing this. It's just kind of a fun thing that they put together to collaborate with us and... We hope you enjoy it. Yeah, go fill it out and it'll help us uh, just, I don't know, we're going to promote some of the answers. Spread some joy. Yeah, exactly. Some of There's funny questions and uh, just help spread the joy of the season. And also while you're on our website, you'll also, geez, I said also a lot there. You did. You'll notice that there are pictures of a lot of our guests. If you're curious what they look like, today's guests are no exception. So go over, check that out at normalizingnonmonogamy.com and without further ado first off we gotta wish ron a happy birthday we shall wish ron a happy birthday and that'll make sense at the end of the episode but we hope you have a fabulous birthday ron and with that let's go hear this story Ron and Lee, we're excited to have you here today. Yeah, yay! <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been going back and forth a little while, so we're we're super excited to be able to make it happen finally. And and our first same sex male male couple, which is it only took a hundred fucking episodes to make it happen. <laughs> so. <laughs> so thank you both for for reaching out and for everything. We're super excited to tell your story because it's you guys have a. a I want to say kind of a wild dynamic that we're excited to talk about. It's not, it's not your standard poly story, which is super fun. So yeah. maybe before we do that, do you mind talking, just introducing yourselves for the listeners who you, who each of you are? Okay. I'm Ron. Um, I found you guys. I don't even know how I found you guys. It was kind of random, but I stumbled on you like on episode two. So I've been listening to you since like way back then. Early on. Um, yeah. Hopefully uh, we've gotten better. <laughs> It's always been good. <laughs> um, Lee and I met each other in 2012. I ha- I was with my 
previous partner for 20, almost 20 years. And then he passed away in 2010. Met Lee in 2012 online. He was naked on the camera, which was kind of nice. Um, <laughs> just like just like now. I don't know why he does this to us. I know. It's <laughs> Yeah, so we kind of made a connection pretty quickly. I thought he was incredibly cute. So um, I stalked him on a couple websites, and we started talking almost every night on Mm -hmm. uh, Skype. Yeah, on Skype. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was in Florida. I'm up here in in Pennsylvania. So it was a nightly thing. Then he started coming up here in February of 2013. It was pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Started coming up once every couple of months. We hit it off really amazingly well we got engaged a couple years later one of the first things lee told me though was i just want you to know before this goes any further i don't do monogamy very well and i said it's okay neither do i so it's all good (laughs) so we can figure Um, this out together (laughs) right i just you know my only my only request at that point was let us take a year to get to know each other you know figure out how make each other tick and all that kind of stuff and what works the best and he agreed to that and that's basically kind of how it happened. Should have known. Yeah, right I know. Away, you know. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, yeah, because I, I just figured I, you know, I'm I was in my late forties, still in my late forties. Thank you very much. And I figured, no, not for long. Um, <laughs> I figured, you know what, monogamy, it works for some people, just doesn't really, didn't always work for me. And uh, in the gay community, especially in the kink leather community that we kind of travel in a lot of relationships are open. So, you know, it's something that I was used to seeing and, you know, used to being around. So, but you nice hadn't experienced it in your previous relationship, really. Sort of, kind of, um, we were, we had two triad situations that didn't work out really well. Both times, the third person was more into one of us than the other. Okay. Um, and it caused quite a conflict. Um, so, Sorry about that. You'll hear our dog shaking our ears every once in a while. (laughs) So, yeah, we played around as a couple, but as far as a relationship was concerned, like a poly-type relationship, we just couldn't seem to find one that worked out. So triads were difficult. Yeah. Yeah. How about about on your side, Ron? Or Lee? I'm sorry. So the relationships that I had, um, and the reason why I said, I told them up front that I don't deal with monogamy is because past relationships that I've had, were monogamous, but the other half ended up going out and playing, but not telling me and caused issues with, you know, STIs. And, so it was unethical monogamy, or not unethical non-monogamy. Correct. So I was just like, and the last relationship that I was in was a very sexless relationship. I was in it for seven years, and I think we had sex maybe twice. And we, I had gone like almost three and a half years with having zero sex. Wow. And except for just, you know, the normal by myself. And it was, I was like, I'm done. I'm, I, I don't want a partner who is strictly monogamous because it doesn't work for me. So, so you'd never really tried it like in an, in a, like, I don't want to say organized fashion, but in like a, an actual, like, ethically non-monogamous dynamic where both people were on board and, and there's going to be dogs in our background now yeah, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> correct i have not okay 
So it was more like it ended it ended up being the the last relationship was kind of the one thing where if we would go to an event, he would end up going off and playing, and I would just be there going. Right. Because I felt I had to do that because I thought that's was that was what yeah, I had yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. So. So when you two got together, then. You know, you you said one year of monogamy to get to know each other. And then how did you start to open it up? Like, what did that look like in the early stages? Wow, we jumped right into... So, so in in other podcasts that you've done, you've had um, guests on and they talk about going to clubs. Um, In the gay community, there's the regular bars and stuff where people can, you know, talk and then go off and do things um, at home. But there's also um, places that are called bathhouses Mm -hmm. um, in different cities. And we just sort of said, you know what, let's check it out. And it's ironic whenever we would, whenever we go to them, it's like we totally go off and split. We don't see each other for uh, a couple hours and we meet up. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, fine. And then we go off again. You know, so it's, it's we rarely ever play together. Had either of you been to a bathhouse previously? I have. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. had also. So you yeah. knew the environment. You were It wasn't mm-hmm. going into a brand new thing. Yeah. Right, right, right. And it was, it was funny. We, we would laugh about it because there were sometimes where we would go where he would hook up like left and right, like constantly. And then I'd be sitting there like twiddling my thumbs, getting something to drink watching TV, hanging out downstairs. And then the next time we would go, it'd be the other way around. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, it was feast or famine for the both of us. <laughs> so how did, how, I mean, did that, um, like, imbalance ever cause issues? Like, where one of you left feeling like, hey, I don't really want to do this if this is how it's going to be. And then... Or but, jealousy. Yeah, yeah, or jealousy or anything like that? I don't think we really had any jealousy it was obviously disappointing if, if right. you know I was sitting there bored off my bored off my ass just not doing anything. You know, it's like okay, well I can just sit here and watch this porn another time, or <laughs> I can just go and sit in my room and take a nap. And we've talked about it on the way home. Um, we live uh, northwest of Philly, so it's like it's a forty minute drive, so we have that plenty of time to talk about you know what happened and how much fun we had or how much you know boredom we had and you know and so on and so forth but it i don't think we never really had any jealousy yeah i i definitely wouldn't call it jealousy it was more disappointment yeah it right. was it was you know I, I thought it was cool you know that it was great that he hooked up you know like i actually get really turned on hearing those stories yeah i, did, I love it you know tell me more tell me more but at the same time you're like oh i wanted that you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. So. like you're happy for your partner but you're also a little yeah, like you said, disappointed. I think that's a good right. term. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so after you started going to those bathhouses, how did, I guess, did you stay doing that for a while? And that was just kind of the way you did non-monogamy in your relationship? Or how did it change over time? We really didn't do it that often. I mean, we did mm-hmm. it maybe a handful of times. Um, we didn't do it, like, every weekend. Right. Because, one, it's not cheap to go to this place, you know, because you have to have a membership, you have to buy a room, you have to have all the fun stuff, and you have to get parking and so on and so forth. But we we would go every once in a while, but a lot of times we would just go out to the bars, too. So, like, we would go get a room, you can leave and go have a drink, and then go back if you want. Okay. So, we didn't do it, like, a lot. Yeah, right. And, And we really did, the funny thing is, is, like, 
if I would have met somebody 20 years ago that said, we're going to have an open relationship, I think I would have been like having sex all the time. But like you hit a certain age and you're like, oh, I got to go to work tomorrow. If somebody comes over here, I got to make sure the house is clean and they might not leave when I want them to. I don't feel like going over there because I'm comfortable. I'm in my sweats. You know, it like the whole thing changes. Yeah. So we really didn't hook up as much as I thought we would, you know? And it's like three or four floors upstairs, oh, yeah, downstairs. Yeah. And, you know, when you're in, you know, in the ages that we are, you're like, oh, I am so over going up and down those stairs and my feet hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting down on here and people can come to me. Right. Exactly. Then you do install exactly. one of those little automated chairlifts that... <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> or an elevator, at least. There's no room for that. Yeah. <laughs> So has it largely continued to be just the the bathhouse periodic, you know, periodic bathhouse visit model or has it grown and developed into something else? Well, with uh, the onslaught of actually joining a into a poly relationship, we would go to events um, sometimes where there are play areas um, or events where they, you know, you meet people from the area and go to the room. So you had decided like eventually after going to the bathhouses that you wanted to expand a little bit and try some other different types of events or, or relationship dynamic type. Correct. And then it's funny. um, I guess we could jump into, is it skipping too much? We jump into our relationship. Well, that's what I was going to say. Maybe it's a good time to say like outline what you, what your current relationship dynamic is, because then that will kind of, open up to like where you are obviously okay um currently we're in a relationship with another couple that um we've been with them for three and a half years i think Mm -hmm. yeah july this past july was three years i had met sort of met them right after i met lee as a matter of fact i was out for New Year's Day, one of the things that my group of friends used to do was just go hang out in the city and bar hop for the day and everything. And and I met this guy, and he was with a bunch of friends. And we went out on a date because Lee and I had just met, so it was nothing serious at that point. We went out on a date, and it was horrible. Um, he actually turned out to be a stalker, which was fun. Oh, no. Yeah. I remember the conversation because he met, he would message me the next day and be like, oh, my God, that date was so horrible. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> At least you had him to vent to. <laughs> exactly. 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 Um, yeah, it gave me one of the worst lines that anyone could ever give you during sex that I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. Hold on. Um, what, what's the line? I don't know. So you can't say that and not share it. Uh, so we're in the middle. He came over, we went to dinner. Halfway through dinner, I'm like, this isn't going really well. I don't really see this progressing. But I figured, what the heck? Let's go back to my place and we'll fool around and whatever. It's two guys. Two guys are, one guy alone is a walking hormone. You get two together, forget it. <laughs> yeah. You know? So in the middle of sex, I'm in the middle of everything, he says to me, so you think my dick's big? You should see my dad's. And I'm like, whew. Look at the time. Um, wow. Who said that? <laughs> That's how I proposed to Emma, by the way. Nice. <laughs> it was right there in the nice. wedding vows. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I just couldn't believe he said that. I just. Yeah, that's uh, crazy. <laughs> and a huge turnoff. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know whether to say too much information or is your dad right, single? Yeah, what's his what's number? His number? <laughs> I know, right? 
But uh, so anyway, the the two people, the couple that we're currently with now, were friends with this guy. So I had seen them out with this guy and found them both very attractive, but was super intimidated by them. So then I had seen them out of bars multiple times and just never got around to saying anything other than hi. I said hi to one of them on one of the dating apps um, and didn't get much of a response. So I just kind of, you know, backed off yeah. a little bit. And then fast forward to we, we met the same couple. We went, uh, we were at Pride, Pride Fest in Philadelphia, um, 2016, 2015. It would have been, it would have been 16, 16. Yeah. So we're standing out now. The bar that we go to is has an alleyway, um, so it's not a front-facing bar. It's an alleyway-facing bar, and everybody's, like, there's hundreds of people in this alley. You know, we're all sitting there and stuff, and he had mentioned, hey, yeah, I've met those guys once. They're pretty cool. And it was, like, one of the very first times that I was had been out in Philly, and we saw them and I actually, we have, we have apps obviously um, like um, on Growler and Scruff and, and we would, I saw their picture. I'm like, so I said, you know what? I'm going to send them a message. Hey, seeing you on here, you know, wanted to introduce myself. My name is Lee. My husband is Ron. Didn't think that they would even remotely send a message back. So they messaged back and July 4th. So in person though, you didn't go up and say hi. It was all on the apps. Yeah. No. Yeah. And um, July 4th, uh, we actually start, start chatting and stuff. And, uh, you know, nothing nothing hot and heavy, but just getting to know each other on the app. And they said, hey, we're going to this bar in uh, New Hope, you know, July 4th, you know, once you meet us there. So we drove there and basically hung out with them, um, met some friends of theirs. Went to dinner. Yeah. Hung out with them for a while. It was, And it was an immediate, oh, I like mm-hmm. these guys. They're awesome. It was a connection, um, and it was a it was a connection that how can I say this and and but it wasn't a sexual connection. If that makes us, it, it was we. It was like okay, these guys are cool. We want to get right, to know them. Right. There was definitely chemistry. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And and we knew from the beginning that they were um, also into the leather and kink community. They both identified as uh, dominants. They were both sirs which was super attractive to me. I had always been very sub- mentally very submissive um, in prior relationships, even though it didn't really take a actual that actual form, but that's something that I wanted. And I didn't know where he stood on that because we hadn't really talked about it too much. But So um, back probably when I, in my 20s, this is what I, this is how many years ago? This is like my end of like my late thirties when we first met and first started doing this back in my twenties, I lived in Minneapolis and I was introduced to the leather scene um, by uh, some friends. And the way that they introduced me was, okay, I want you to sit in this chair in front of this cross and I want you to just experience. And it was a flogging display and the guy's eyes rolled in back into his head and I freaked out and I never went back. And so that was your first like yes. Yes. So I like freaked out. And it it was um socially, if I go out by myself, um back then I was really kind of, you know, 
I'm, I'm don't want to be here, I, I, but I do want to be here. And so I was very introverted when, unless I was around friends. Then fast forward to this situation and we met them and it was kind of playful at first. Like the uh, um, SK and SB, SK would have him kneel down next to him as he was sitting and SB would he put his hand on my leg and I was like, this is a weird, this is, this is, feels weird, but it feels good. So it was, that sort of brought into, and we talked a lot more um, about it. And it got to the point where they actually gave us a, um, a kink list. What are you into? What are hard no's? What are some things that you'd be interested in trying? And it was probably what, about 50, 50 items. Stuff, yeah. So you hadn't um, really you hadn't really explored kink until this experience then. Basic kink, like basic, like yeah, you know, yeah. simple stuff, just slightly non-vanilla, you know, but nothing to the fact we're you know being up on the on the cross getting flogged, right, nothing right. like that. Okay. You know? So yeah, yeah, we filled out that thing and we had a bunch of long conversations and you know what our limits were and. And that kind of, and that was purely sexual. That wasn't really much of an emotional thing. That really hadn't started yet, even though, you know, we really liked them a lot. So about the same time, I actually myself um, had yeah. a friend who had um, introduced me to the pup scene. Okay. And he's like, "Hey, come on over," because I was intrigued. I was like, "Okay, what is this?" You know, he's wearing a a mask, a puppy mask, and, and he's like, okay, I want to find out what this is like. And he introduced me to the whole puppy thing. And so I was learning that. We met these guys, and SB goes, oh, my God, we're going to totally get a boy and a pup. <laughs> Score. <laughs> so, so SB oh. and SK are your other partners, just to be very clear. Yeah, And Correct. they yeah. are yeah. both dominant with both of you. That's the, that's the dynamic Correct. as it is right now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and so one yeah. of you is so you're both their submissives, and one of you is their boy, and the other is their puppy. Correct. I'm the boy. Lee's the puppy. Yeah. So what is that? What is that like? What does that actually look like? Because I think there's a lot of people who who just heard that and said, "What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what the heck is that?" So. Um, I'll let Ron explain the boy part of it because it's pretty structured. And then I'll go into a shortened version of what puppy play is. <laughs> so go ahead. Um, I don't think, I think puppy might be, di- I don't know if there's an equivalent in the straight community. I'm not sure, but boy, there's probably a lot of similarities in the straight community with relationships. Um, I am submissive to both of them. Okay, so that like is sexually but not just sexually all all everything else correct yeah the way the way we're structured you know if we're out somewhere i usually walk behind at least a, a one stride behind them if, when we're spending time together on weekends i always make sure that you know they have drinks and they have what they need and if they need something in the other room i go get it sexually is kind of mm-hmm. self-explanatory but yeah it's i they don't Unless we're in a situation where there's non-kink people around, they don't refer to me by my first name. 
Um, it's always boy. I usually have to ask permission if we're in a group setting to do just about anything. Let me let me correct that. When we're in a kink setting, they refer to him as boy. In a non-kink setting, right. they refer to okay. him as Ron. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah I meant to say that the other way. I have, usually have to ask permission to do, you know, uh, for example, we were out last weekend and a friend of mine was standing like about 20 feet away from us. And I said, hey, may I go talk to so-and-so, you know, and that was fine. So, yeah, that's, our relationship is very structured um, and it's awesome. It's, yeah. It's awesome. I, I love every second of it because for me, that type of submissiveness is a huge turn on. So whereas some people look at it and say, oh, my God, you're just letting these guys walk all over you and, you know, you have to do whatever they want to do. I'm like, of course, it's awesome. <laughs> That's what I want. You know, exactly. But at the same time, I also do it because I trust them implicitly. I know they're not going to make me do something that's embarrassing. They're not going to humiliate me. You know, it's, it's not about that. It's about I'm their boy and I take care of them. And I'm immensely yeah. proud of that. It and just to focus on so, I guess, that dynamic for a minute before we jump to Lee's, did that dynamic take a little bit of time to like work into so you got to know them and build up trust with them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, it was simple stuff. You know, uh, I remember one of the first times we spent the weekend with them, you know, we had silly conversations about, you know, this is what I like to drink. This is, you know, the kind of coffee I like. This is, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, just so I could get to know them better. But um Definitely, as far as like some of the more intense stuff, I had to learn to trust them that they weren't going to embarrass, you know, they're, they're not out to embarrass me. They're not out to humiliate me. You know, that's and they never would. You know, that was one of the items on the kink list um, was mm -hmm. humiliation. Is that something you're into? Um, so that's where that comes. Yeah, comes from. that's a hard no for me. It's just not something that, you know, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. For like sure. do. do you yeah. ever, or have you been in a situation like where you're uncomfortable or need a, like, I think a lot of people listening to this would be, well, is, you, there is, there, yeah, is, like, there is there a safe word? Is there an out for you for some reason? The funny thing is, is we talked about safe words because in the kink community, that's a big deal. And especially in the, when you're, yes, sex, yes. when you're having sex. Right. Especially during that, you know, some blogging experiences and stuff like that. There's definitely that. And I know there are a lot of people that would cringe when I say this, but we don't have safe words, but we've also learned to read each other really well to know with a look that I can't do this or I'm not feeling comfortable or this, you know, this isn't mm -hmm. going well. And I also think that if I were to just flat out say, hey, sir, I don't think I can do this, you know, that it wouldn't break the mood. It would be, okay, well, let's right. talk about it. And right. why can't navigate we it together? You know, yeah. Kind of so, yeah, we would navigate it together for sure. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Any other questions for so, Ron? I mean, like a million, but it's okay. Let's, let's go ahead and <laughs> let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's hear. <laughs> Let's hear Lee's side because I'm 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 really curious about that as well. And maybe uh, I think a lot of the questions I have are more about how the two of you interact beyond you know now that these dynamics are established. So, but I think we'll, we'll get there in a minute. Yeah, yeah. How about so Lee's also in a submissive role, but you're more in the puppy dynamic. Correct. So probably the closest um, correlation in the straight community would be similar to somebody putting on a mask, just a straight latex mask with a zipper 
So just one of the first thing about puppy play is it's not considered bestiality. It's not a physical animal playing right. human with an animal. It's an actual person with a hood playing as an adult dog. Okay. okay. I want to make sure that that gets out there because especially with people who have never experienced a puppy, it's they immediately go to, oh, my God, you play with dogs. No, that's not what happens. You know? Yeah, no, not into it. I we have an adult dog, and I, you know, I can't even think of that. Um, think of it in the realm of if you're a introvert type of person, being a puppy and putting on a hood has a sense of anonymity and the feeling that you can step out of your own personal self and be someone different or something different by hiding behind that mask not necessarily hiding yeah. so don't don't misconstrue okay. this as being hiding this is more of coming out of your shell and if someone who's very introverted and very has a lot of social anxiety um i'll say tell you the experience that i had that got me into doing my small business when, when you put on the hood, it's you're stepping out of that role in, in your own personal self to yeah. be something different. So, for instance, I'll put on my hood, and some people will actually put on a hood to just run around the room like a dog and just be wild and, and jump and bark and play with toys and run, run, run. I'm different. I put on the hood, and I act like a guard dog. So it's it's different. It's more I'm more of a protective one because I have a bad back. I am a bigger guy, and I am not going to have anybody climbing on my back. <laughs> so 2016, we met them, and I was still learning the whole puppy thing. And I ordered a neoprene hood. I got a tail. There's actual like physical tails that like, you can actually hook to the either a plug tail that goes inside or a tail that you can hook to your belt and you can get mitts, you can get obviously hoods, um, and then so on and so forth. You can get collars, you can get leashes, so on and so forth. The whole thing, whole gambit, you know, acting like a dog. So you start out and there's different protocols where if, if you're in with a, a dynamic with a handler, mm -hmm. sir, handler, same thing, you have this, you, you can have different things where a, a handler will make you do um, different things. They'll, they'll put you like on all fours. They'll put you like sitting at attention and then they'll kind of walk you around with uh, on a leash. Um, I find it a lot of fun when my sir actually puts the collar, a uh, play collar on and, and grabs a leash and locks it on and he walks me around. The, um, if it's an event, he'll do that. So it's, it's fun that way because I like to, nobody knows it's me. Right. Right. You know? So, um, but it got me to, because I was very like uh, scat not scatterbrained, but almost very introverted when I was out at an event. So I wouldn't, I would, people would say I had resting bitch face because I wouldn't talk to anyone. And it's weird when you put on the, the hood in the leather community, there's probably 75% of the community don't know how to react or how to interact with a puppy because they're like, they see that you have a collar on and you see you have the hood on and you're like, do I talk to them as a human or 
what do I do? So it's interesting. If, if somebody's having troubles, I will physically take the hood off and I'll talk to them as a human. And then if they have questions, then they can ask me questions. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And explain it to them and, and help them navigate that. Yep. And so, so Ron said when he, when you guys are out, he'll usually walk a step or two behind, I guess where, like when you're out and about in the non kink world, how, like how, like, let's say the four of you are going to dinner and you're walking to dinner. What does it like actually look like physically? Sometimes, um, I will be up in front and, um, they, they say that I have a tendency for, we go out to the grocery store. Um, I will go off and say, I'll be right back. I'll go off and get something. I'll come back, put it in the cart, go off again. He's a puppy. <laughs> retriever. Probably yeah. a golden retriever, I'm going to guess. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's funny that his, just as my personality is as a boy, I'm through and through, 100%. Um, he's a puppy. He just, think of a, a, a biological puppy, how they take off and run away. But then they turn around and, okay, are my masters or whatever, you know, are my humans behind me? And so they run back and check on things and they go off and do – that's what he does. Right. Okay. He does that in just about every social situation we're in. Yeah. So it, that didn't start that way. I'll, I'll tell you that. <laughs> that that was that was in, not ingrained, but it was more learned as time went on. And this is like a normal society, right? Where, when you're not <laughs> in a kink costume, you're just being yourself. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, for instance, we'll go out to an event, um, go out to the bars, and I'm allowed to go and say hi to someone as long as I, I come back and check in with them. He has to ask. So that's where a, a different part of the dynamic between us as a couple um, happens. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious then how, how have things changed between the two of you, right? So you have these fairly complicated or maybe they're extremely straightforward right dynamics between you and and your masters your sirs but yeah. your yeah your sirs but how how has it changed like the relationship between the two of you i don't know that anything's really changed um nothing's really changed um because when we so if you kind of look at it is when when we're at their place we're in service to them. Mm-hmm. So either Ron has to go and either get their drinks, um, wash the dishes, do all this stuff. And I'm there and just doing my thing. And, and so I, I make breakfast, you know, that we have our duties that we do, um, that just happen. But when we come home, it's like, it's somewhat turned off. I mean, he, he's made the the mistake a couple times, um, like when we've been together, like when you first were like first there, he calls me sir. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, yeah, oops, I'm not your, I'm not your sir. <laughs> and um, and he's done joking things back to me, like we were out going someplace, we were going to go outside, um, and the four of us smoke cigars, so we would go into the alleyway, and and, and we were like, and SK would say do you want to go outside and have a scar? And be like, yeah, sure. Let's go outside. He said, Oh, I thought it would be really funny. And it, it went over like a lead brick, but, um, I looked at Lee and I, I said, you want to go outside? I'll go outside. Come on, let's go outside. <laughs> I didn't think it was funny. I turned to him and I glared at him. Cause, that, cause that's not the dynamic between the two of you. Right. Right. It was joking. Right. right. 
I thought it was hilarious. I, I was like, I was happy that he did that. So between the two of us, Puppy, he uh, Ron doesn't understand it all that much, so he doesn't engage with me a lot. Like when we're out in an event and I have a hood on, and he'll like scratch the back of my neck, you know. But he's he touches the water. Like if you're wanting to see the temperature of water, he'll put his toe on it. That's kind of like how he acts with me as a puppy. He's gotten more and more as time went on, but he's uncomfortable with that dynamic. Whereas your sirs are not. Correct. Yeah. I don't know that I'm uncomfortable with it. It's just, it's not my thing. Right. You know, it's just, I get it that it's his thing. It's just not my thing. So. Right. And, and, and probably much the same that like, like, he said like he's not your sir so the you know the boy thing isn't his thing but it sounds like both of you are in the position where you're just like hey you do whatever you want to do and i'm going to do what i want to do and it's it hasn't like you haven't started to see each other and be like like turned off because oh now i see him as a puppy and i can't unsee him as a puppy yeah no not at all not at all one of the things that we talked about when the four of us first got together and decided to try this out was that um, our two marriages, theirs and ours, always come first. Um, so regardless of what's going on or where we are, our marriages come first. If there's an issue between us, then we'll go talk about it. If they have issues, they're going to go talk about it. But at the same time, they requested that when we're together, that we try not to think of ourselves as Ron and Lee, the married couple. We try to think of ourselves as boy and puppy, you know, so that we're separately. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So when we're together, we're with them and it's the four of us. But when we're apart, it's two it's two separate marriages that are, you know, important, equally important. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so have there been instances then where like there'll be a three three people dynamic of some sort. Like if some person can't be there, I'm assuming you've navigated that as well. And, but still it's like very separate as far as the couples go. Yep. So one of the sirs, um, is more, um, he like ventures more sort towards Ron's boy side and the other sir navigates more towards the puppy side. Um, the one sir can navigate both, but I think one sir does better and more, with the boy side, but not much with the pup side. So um, they've kind of overlapped a little bit, but they're, they kind of try to do it um, evenly as best they can. Right. Right. Yeah. I find it, I find it to be, I mean, it's that way in life too. I mean, I'm sure you, you've had this situation where you're friends with another couple and two of you mesh better than not necessarily better, but are, become closer friends than the other two, you know, it's just kind of, yeah, for sure. Yeah. There's some sort of dynamic there that, yeah, that two people are closer than others and that, yeah, that's what it is. And that's the way it's worked out with us. But once Sir and Ron, like football, I can't stand football. (laughs) Whenever football's on, I'm not in playing um, video games. Yeah. So, but yeah, to to answer your question, there have been plenty of times where it's been, Mm -hmm. one of us hasn't been there. Mostly it's been you that's, been able to spend weekends with them alone because I've either had to work or had family things going on. But I mean, I get jealous not because I don't get jealous that he's there. I get jealous because I'm not there. If that makes sense. It's yeah. kind of the the 
bummer of missing out, right? Like that feeling right. of missing out. Right. Yeah. I miss my family is the way I usually, when I text them, I'm like, I miss my family. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Understandably so. Right. I mean, right. Yeah. And so is that primarily now like your non-monogamy looks like a sort of a quad, right? You you aren't necessarily yeah. going to bathhouses and hooking up with other people. You've, you've sort of closed it into a, a sort of a closed system of the four of you for the most part. For the most part, um, sexually, the between the four of us, I wouldn't say that sex happens, the four of us, all together a lot. It's more we pair off. Sure. You want to say? And then on occasion, like, if we go to an event and they'll say, um, puppy, go find someone or and to and bring it back to us, you know, be like the retriever, you know, go find a bear, bring it back, you know, that sort of thing. And the first time my sir told me that, and I was like, what? <laughs> what do you want me to do? So, I have to go talk to people. <laughs> I know. And I'm not that type of person. I'm not that, you know, if I find someone attractive, I'll just, you know, admire them from a, from afar unless they come up to me or close by. Ron, on the other hand, will just go right up to them. Hi! <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just very... So yeah. has it has it pushed you out of your shell a little bit? Because especially with the mask on, I imagine, like you said, it you can be who you want to, whoever you want to be with that mask. So being in, uh, in puppy, it has it has gotten me out of my shell a lot. When I first started doing puppy, um, we went to an event um, in DC. Um, it's called Mid Atlantic Leather. They have this. So they have for the puppy uh, community, they have what are called moshes where they have all the people who are into the puppy and the handlers on mats and in hoods and all, all this stuff. And they're, they throw a bunch of toys in the middle of these mats and they just, it's like a free for all jumping and round and everything. Well, the first big event, so we're talking like um, close to 250 to 300 people in this room. Okay. So, so quite a few. Yes. So, I went the very the very first time. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go to my first major mosh, and it's got all my stuff on. And I was tying my shoes, and there wasn't very many people in the room. And all of a sudden, I looked up, and there were like a ton of people, and I froze. I, I was sitting on the chairs, and I was like, and I, I I was just I didn't move. I couldn't move, and I didn't understand what was going on i was like all oh, these people are gonna look at me they're gonna think i'm stupid and da, 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 da. it took a friend of mine from the area to focus my attention on them and pull me off the chairs to get me on the mats it took about 20 minutes to do it and i was after that event i was like oh my god that was horrible i just and any and i was sitting there and at my desk thinking okay i gotta figure this out because I didn't want that to happen again. So <laughs> that's that's what so kind of gotten easier was, as you've had more experience. Yeah. Right. So it's like whenever you see um, hear people that have trouble with social anxiety, I always say that find something that you can center your your attention. Um, if it be holding on to something around your neck, just closing your eyes and taking deep breaths, whatever. Right. So. Right. So you so you had Roughly a year of monogamy and I guess roughly five to six years of 
sort of exploring non-monogamy in various sort of capacities. How have you seen like your relationship? Like, how would you compare it in that year before you opened up versus, you know, the last five years in terms of like just how things have gone or any differences you've noticed, whether they're, whether they're good or bad. I don't, (laughs) I don't, I don't, don't, I don't know that there's a lot of differences on my part. I would say there was actually quite a few. Um, Well, good. When, so in 2012, 2012 was a really shitty year. My partner and I had broken up at the beginning of the year that I'd been with for seven years. My mom passed in May, you know, and had some medical issues that happened. And it was like, my attitude went like this. And I was like, for six months, I was like, you know, I didn't go out. People actually, friends of mine, when I lived in Florida, had to come over and drag me out to go to dinner and things like that. I just didn't want to do anything. Then I met him. That all changed. But um, I, it, it seemed, it, it just felt like I had to reinvent myself. Um, the beginning couple years to say, okay, got to try to make this work. Da, 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 da. And now it's like I've experienced more in the past three and a half years that we've been with the SERS. And it's been good experiences, you know, um, from like being put on, on uh, the cross and, and flogged and, you know, having that, that experience of that release on. Um, not a sexual release, but it, but a release of, of energy when you're on the cross and getting flogged. It, it's it's a totally different experience. So I would have never done that unless they had actually walked me through it. Right, right. Very uh, cool. Do both of you or either one of you feel more fulfilled in life now than you did before? I do, for sure. Um, my partner... Prior to this, um, like I said, he and I were together for pretty close to 20 years. And sexually, at least, I wasn't, it wasn't a great relationship. Um, How it lasted 20 years, I have no clue. I think it was just because. Convenience. Yeah, it was convenient. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I've always been mentally and emotionally and sexually kind of a submissive person. And he didn't like that at all. So I didn't get to explore that in the least. So uh, now I can, which is awesome. Um, so, um, you know, that's kind of, I think it's great. You know, I definitely am feeling like this is where I need to be and it's awesome. And when we're with the SIRS on the weekends or when we go on vacation together, you know, I look forward to having like 24 hour, 24 seven of being able to be that way. Right. And it's nice because then when we come home and I'm back to being Ron Lee's husband, I can, I don't have, I'm, I'm not submissive to Lee at all. You know, I don't think in any aspect, um, we're very much equal. That's one of the things that we actually made sure that we kept um, in the relationship when we started this was that we kept it even. Like, for instance, they wanted, the SERS wanted us to call each other boy and pup. I have a hard time calling Ron boy because I find it in my own personal setting, in a relationship setting, I find it demeaning just because I am not above him and I don't want ever to have that situation come to fruition. Right. That's not your dynamic. Correct. I I do refer to Lee when when the four of us are together or in our, we have a, a running family text chat that goes 
all the time. So when we're together and within within the chat, I don't have an issue calling him pup or puppy. I've never done it verbally. I don't think I've ever done it verbally. But I also don't see puppy as being a. I don't know. I look at puppy in a different way than he looks at boy. Yeah. So yeah, no, that's fair. So, yeah. So how I get, over the last three and a half years, I guess, how open in your community, in your life, have you been with other people about the relationship that you're in with your sirs? hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent open in, in the gay community. There's, um, you don't see very many poly relationships that are visible. A lot of times um, our stores will make mention that people are watching our people are taking note of our dynamic. I ever, I never understood that right up front. Be like, well, why are they watching us? Because I'd be like, I'm, I'm personally, I'm very, a very private person. I don't, if I'm out, I will rarely ever want people to know me unless I know them as a friend. And they explained to us, it's like the dynamic that we have is totally different than what different couples have seen before. So people are looking at us and we've met several other uh, poly relationships and we've talked to a few of them and there's people that will come up to us and say, Oh my God, we love your family. You know? So uh-huh. it's from that aspect, it's, it's wonderful because we're actually kind of setting a, a somewhat of an example. Yeah. That there's other ways to do it. Right. To have a relationship. Right. right. And, and we physically, I mean, physically we were, we have, we wear collars. Um, we, they, that was their gift to us three years ago, I guess, to kind of like solidify our relationship. So, you know, it's definitely an outward sign that for those people that know, like within the kink community, you know, his has a puppy paw on it. Mine has a, the submissive symbol on the outside of it, you know, and they're locked. So they're not coming off. Um, so, you know, there's that aspect of it. And we, we do have keys to each other's lock just in case, you know, someone, we need to get the lock off right quickly. Medical emergency or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, and as far as being out, like to our friends and stuff, we're a hundred percent out. I've slowly over the last year started coming out to my family about it and they've all been fine with it for the most part. I always tell everybody, my family is so fucked up that me being in a relationship like this is like, yeah, whatever. Okay. It's Wednesday. You know, it's like, whatever. No big, no deal. big deal. Yeah. Right. Right. And on the other hand, my family are um, more on the religious side and I, I have two Facebook profiles. One is for the, the family friendly and the other one is my kink side. The family friendly, I actually originally had both profiles as one and I just limited, you know, the way that people could see some of my posts. Well, I made the mistake of actually originally calling, well, this, when we originally had it, I told, I, I told the sirs that um, I can't call you sir because I, I'm not there yet. Um, so they said, just call me daddy. I'm like, okay. So I made the mistake of actually putting a post and saying something about my daddy's dot, dot, dot. Well, my actual father saw the post and he was, what are you talking about me? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh shit. So that's when I separated things. I explained to him, I had to explain to him. He's like, well, talk to me about what's going on. He wasn't too thrilled by it. Um, I mean, to the the point uh, to give you a little, you know, background on it. When we got married, my father, I invited my father to the wedding. My father told me, he goes, why do you have to get married? 
Oh, so I'm sorry. It's I I separate for a reason. Yeah. So you don't feel safe in that. That yeah, or comfortable. I I I, I don't feel comfortable. Meaning, I don't want him to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, he's. He, it took him a long, long way to accept him, uh, accept Ron as my husband, to the point if he knew about the other side of me, he would probably flip out. Yeah. Yeah. So. And at that point, is it right that you have to make the decision? Is it worth it to cause that person that uncomfortable right. feelings? If it's yeah, you got to weigh that yeah. and decide what's best. Yeah. So. Um, the other flip side, and uh, I work for a major bank, and um, my boss, uh, yeah, I actually, my small business, I make chain mail chains and collars and stuff. Oh, and cool. She was like, oh, so what do you make? And I was, I had this inside my shirt, and she's like, oh, so this is really cool. This is, did you make this? I said, no, this was gifted. And she goes, she pulls my lock and my my tag out of my 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 shirt, and I'm like, oh, crap. This is a boss it's a, from the, at the bank. She's, you know, this the straight lace woman. And she looks at my tag and she goes, and on the on the back of my tag it says owned by um, SB and SK husband to, to boy Ron, and she goes, that's interesting, <laughs> and puts it back, <laughs> and then walk, proceeds to walk away. Well, I guess she could have handled that worse. <laughs> no, she handled it very well, and I was really proud of her. So, yeah. but I told that to a couple of my a couple of my other teammates, and they were like. She did what? They knew about my relationship. They, a lot of my teammates know about my relationship. I just recently got a new job, and I finally told my boss. I said, "Yeah, I'm in a poly relationship." She goes, "How's that dynamic?" She's like really interested. You know, I'm like, "I'm not going to give you everything, but I'm going to tell you a li- little bit. I'm not right. going to like freak you out like wholeheartedly." You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad you're able to be, and yeah, you have supportive yeah, you, people at right? work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's super cool. I have a really random question that I meant to ask earlier and I forgot. So you told us this, Ron, you told us the story of that guy you went out on that date with who was friends right. with the, with your sirs. Yes. Now, have, have you had to interact with him because, like, is he in mutual friend circles now? Well, the funny thing is, is um, I um, misread the entire dynamic of that first time that I saw them all together and thought that they were really great friends and they were hanging out and everything. And it just turns out that they had a lot of mutual friends and they were just kind of hanging out within, you know, their little circle. Um, so while they do know who he is, they're not, I mean, they know who he is. That's about as far as their friendship goes. It's not okay. Nothing and have they seen his dad's penis? Uh, <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. (laughs) All right. All right. I just had to ask. (laughs) So... So one one thing that we like to talk about, and we we chatted about this via email a little bit, is the the sexual health side of things. And Mm -hmm. we know for you guys that that this is is another really big part of something that you've had to deal with. And I guess maybe we'll just kind of let you talk about that in, in whatever way you're comfortable sharing it. Okay. Um, I have mentioned a couple times that my former partner passed away back in 2010 and he was actually HIV positive, um, and did not take care of himself at all. A long, long story that would take up another podcast, but, uh, you know, never, didn't really take care of himself, was hiding a lot of things from me and that sort of stuff. So he unfortunately developed, um, full blown AIDS and then passed away from that. 
So when all, while all of that was happening, I thought, great, I need to go get myself checked. And I found out, I guess like three weeks after he died, I found out that I was HIV positive. Wow. Um, so you didn't know like during that relationship at all? No, because no. Yeah, there was a lot of things that weren't told to me that I am finding out now that I should have known then. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. So I'm sorry. It, thank you. So to put it a little bit into perspective, so like when you when you first get diagnosed with HIV, I'm also HIV positive. When you get your panel done, when you get your first set of blood work done, they get you at a certain level to say, okay, do we need to put you on medication? So, like, what's your what's your viral load? Right. And if I'm not mistaken, I think your viral load was fairly high. Correct. So he had had it for a period of time. Yeah. Right. But thankfully, my best friend at the time, and still is a very good friend, he's an HIV specialist. So I kind of knew, plus being in the gay community and having a lot of friends that are HIV positive, I knew that while it was very, it's, it, while it was going to be an issue, that it certainly wasn't the death sentence that it was 10, 20, 25 right. years ago, you right. know? So, and I was also dealing with his death at the time. So I had too many other, too many other things on my mind, you know, at that point to actually freak out over it. So thankfully I had a support system around me. I immediately went on medication because of where I was viral load wise and stuff. And then within six months, probably. Um, I was already all the way down to undetectable. So wow. um, it didn't take them long to get, you know, on the right medication and down to, you know, where it needed to be. So then when he and I met, um, that was obviously one of the first conversations that we had. And that's when I, you know, I knew that he was HIV positive so that it wasn't going to be, you know, a major issue between the two of us. Um, and we were both undetectable and both very healthy and, you know, so everything was fine. You know, chances are we're going to die of something completely different. Right. 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 So did you want me to jump to when we met them or? Yeah. I mean, my, my, uh, when I found out I was HIV positive was in 2012 when I said I had a really, really, really bad year. Oh, that was part of that whole thing. That was part of the whole part. I said medical issues. So, So yeah, I had the breakup with my, my, my partner at the time. Finally, at the time, I also had a, another boyfriend that ended up turning around and totally like screwing around on me and wanting to move in. And anyway, that's how I, I found out I was HIV positive. My viral load was actually low. It was only 9,000 copies. So I had just contracted it recently mm-hmm. um, within within the six months or so. Right, right. I had only been detectable for like three months. Um, and then I, I immediately took the choice and said, I want to get on medication because I want to get this under control. Period. Right. And then, yeah, just the rest of the year happened. So. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you had to go through that yeah. too. That sounds like a terrible year. You know, so I look back on it and it's, it, it was probably, yeah, it was a crappy, crappy, crappy year, but I haven't gone through anything that bad mm-hmm. since. Yeah. Well, it, right. I also like, this is a different topic, but I also try to look at really tough years or really tough, tough time periods of your life as, well, I wouldn't be who I am today if I didn't go through that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah, I agree. but it's hard sometimes to yeah. think about it that way. I, I was, yeah, absolutely. I just had a quick clarification uh, on Ron's side. So you, so your, your husband or your partner, I'm sorry, of 20, 
20 years, you, you did not know that he was HIV positive until after he had died? Till he got sick, right. Um, yeah, he, he went in, he had um, a really bad cold that just wouldn't go away. And he hated doctors and he just wouldn't go to the doctor. Um, and then finally, myself and some friends put our foot down and said, enough's enough. Um, and we took him to the doctor and it turned out he had pneumonia and they ran a bunch of tests and found that he was HIV positive. And it just, it snowballed very, very, very quickly from there. Wow. Um, cause he went in the hospital in June and he was gone by the end of July. Wow. So it happened so, very quickly. To put it in perspective, once you actually get to the point where you actually have like pneumonia and you have the very advanced um, situations happening like that, they cannot put you on an HIV medication because your your immune system is already compromised. Right. So they right. have to treat that before they can put you on HIV medication. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. So yeah. yeah. Wow. So he may have very well been positive for a long time and just didn't know it. Absolutely. Yeah. Without I don't without going into like all kinds of details of like, and I he's gone so I don't want to you know yeah 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 no no, no. That yeah time being horrible but yeah you know, I, I'm, I'm willing. With. I'm willing to bet that he was not truthful with me about his status um, and his playing ground. Right. So, and that, you know, he had had it for a while. Right. So, wow. And so I guess that also then leads into the question when you started going to bathhouses together, was that something that you were then upfront with people about and saying like, absolutely, this is, this is our status and we're undetectable and maybe talking about like under the, the, undetectable equals uninfectious sort of mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. And maybe right, for people right. who aren't familiar with that saying, I guess if, if you're, if you're willing to talk about that as well, that would be really great. I think. Sure. I mean, I get frustrated when, when people don't know this, so I absolutely would talk about it. Um, yeah. Undetectable means I cannot transmit the virus to someone else, even if we're having unsafe sex, it's just not possible for me because I'm basically have the same viral level as someone who doesn't have HIV. I might have two or three copies of the virus floating around somewhere, but that that's about it. Undetectable is less than 20, 20 copies. So uh, just to clarify for those that are, are still fairly new to understanding HIV, when you're undetectable, it does not mean you do not have the disease. It means that it's suppressed. Right, right. right. It still lives in your body. It's a virus. It's not... Correct. Correct. It's right. not going away. Well, and I think it's then, it's super important to talk about as well because right. So yes, it's it. I guess it's probably more common in in the gay community, but that's not to say that it's not. You know, it doesn't it exist doesn't elsewhere. exist in in straight land. Right. And so, right. the again that you've you know a diagnosis is again like you said it's not it's not a death sentence like it used to be, and you're both yeah. very healthy people living healthy sex lives, doing anything that you really want to do other than you, you have something new to disclose to people and maybe some education that has to go on. Right. So like one of the, one of the things that I do personally is on any social media app, my status is there and I say I'm undetectable. So anybody who contacts me like for, can for see dating that. or something. Or well, for... we have social like social app, social uh, apps like for dating or for just hookups yeah, or yeah. for just chatting, whatever. It's out there. Personally, I put that out there because I don't want people like slam basted, you know, 
with, oh, by the way, you're attracted to me, I'm attracted to you. Oh, and by the way, I'm HIV positive. And they have them go um, what, and feel uncomfortable to the point where they don't, they just stop talking. Yeah. Right. You want to just yeah. put it out there right away, right up front. Right. Um, so yeah, the, the thing that we had talked about in the emails back and forth between the four of us is, um, both of our servers are negative and we obviously had that conversation right off the bat, um, as to, you know, the situation. Um, they're negative and they're also on, um, Truvada, so they're on prep. Okay. Which is, uh, for anyone who is not familiar, that's pre-exposure prophylaxis. So it, it's a, it's a means to reduce the risk of you contracting HIV, but it does not necessarily eliminate it. So effectively between the two of you being undetectable and them being on Truvada, you have a, a fairly small chance, minuscule chance. Correct. Correct. And we also, um, you know, the, the one thing that I try to explain to people, because I've had so many people talk to me on, you know, some of the dating apps and hookup apps and stuff like that and say, well, okay, you're HIV positive, but you could have something else. You could have syphilis, you could have herpes, how do I know? And what I've tried to explain to people, and hopefully everyone's doctor is this way, I'm sure there's some that aren't, but they're supposed to be. Whenever Lee and I do blood work every six months. I do it every three. Right, three or six, depending on your doctor, um, depending on their comfort level. When they do that, to check on our viral levels, they check for syphilis and gonorrhea and all the other STIs that are out there. Right. So, you know, that happens every single time. Hep A, Hep B, Hep right. C, all of it. Yeah. So, you know, I get so frustrated when people say, you know, well, you don't know about everything else. Well, now, as a matter of fact, I do. And, and <laughs> uh, yeah, and you're probably more educated on it than, than most, right? And, right. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, and, and the same thing. And the same thing with them, with our SIRS, when, you know, in order for them to stay on PrEP, they have to go through the same regimen that we do. So they get tested, mm -hmm. I think they're every six months or something like right, that. Right, because well, they so. want to also know if for some reason they did con contract it for like some, Correct. a very unlikely reason. Yeah. Correct. Well, and and the, also the other thing, too, and I think one of the reasons um, why it, it's every three or six months for anybody who's on regular HIV medication or on PrEP is the medication is so strong that it could screw around with your kidneys or liver. Kidneys or liver, yeah. So they want to also check those levels to make sure it's not causing issues with, with your other uh, um, organs in your body. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, well, I mean, oh, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, we, the four of us maintain a pretty healthy sex life. Um, and within the four of us, we, you know, don't use condoms and, you know, within the, within the four of us, that's what we've agreed on. So, and for me, um, they, we choose not to, but for me, I'm actually allergic to latex. Um, so it's really hard for me to use a condom. Yeah. You right. have to, you have to get the non-latex ones and some, those are right. not. And they hurt. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they're a pain. <laughs> Literally a pain in the ass. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, we, we, I mean, we really appreciate you sharing that. I know some of that wasn't super easy stories to bring up, and, and we really appreciate it because, I mean, again, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing for anybody in the gay community here, but I think it's, it's super powerful people in all communities to hear that first of all, that it's not a death sentence. And second of all, that you're, you're not only are you happy and healthy, you're having sex, you're 
communicating these things and you're not hiding it from people and you're, yeah, you're, and it's, I don't know, it's amazing. And there's ways to work through life to, to maintain a, a healthy, um, I guess, maintain your health and also maintain the health of others. And, and it's as long as you're communicating and working with your doctor and making sure everything's yeah. okay, then yeah, there's right. nothing to be overly worried about. Yeah. Right. The one thing that I, I do want to make mention, um, I know in the gay community, it's fairly well advertised. Not sure about in the straight community, um, but if someone, and I'm just going to say this flat out, is like if someone feels very concerned and they, they feel really embarrassed and they, they feel like they can't go get tested, it's better to go and, and suck it up and go and get your test because it's going to only help you in the long run. Right. Yeah. Pretending you don't have anything isn't, isn't a solution for success. Even, even if it's scary as fuck to do it. Thank you for saying that because I, I agree. It's like, it's, it can be really scary. You don't, you don't want to know. And I think that that's one message we, you know, you listen to this to show, but like that we try really hard to spread is that it's not something to be ashamed out of. It's something to be, just out in the open and to talk about and to put on the table so that everyone knows. And, and and then you also have support that way too. Right. Right. And if people are shitty, then don't deal with those people. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing too, it's like, um, when, when, um, I had a different experience when I, when I first, um, found out that I was HIV positive, you hear about the people who contracted getting, uh, uh, having the zero conversion and having the fever and feeling like you have the flu. I didn't get that. So I had no clue that I had, I had contracted the virus at all, and I was like, oh, "Okay, I think I'm fine." And the guy I have that came over and who I was thinking about dating, he said, "Let's go get tested," and I went and got tested, and mine came back positive, and I was like, I was flabbergasted. I didn't even know I had it. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. So, huh. and it just gets to the importance of of regular testing, right? Especially right. if you're you're sleeping with multiple and yeah, sexually active with multiple people. Right. Yeah. Right. And then one other thing on, on that subject that it's a little pet peeve of mine that bothers me. And I don't, I don't know how big it is within in the straight community, but in the gay community, especially there's a lot of people on the dating apps and hookup apps and stuff that'll say, or that will flat out ask me, um, are you, are, clean? Are you clean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. I'm clean. And I hate that. You know, I, yeah, I showered HIV this morning positive. and yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> HIV positive or any STI does not equal dirty, you know. Right. So that just frustrates me beyond belief. Please use a different word. Yeah, use <laughs> you can use uh, the term we've heard the most that seems, I guess, to be fair is like reactive and non-reactive. That that works. Um, yeah. a lot of people do use positive and negative. I would, I guess, that's also not. It's better than clean or dirty. Um, right. yeah. but yeah. I think reactive, non-reactive is probably think, the safest. I think way. one of the, the best ways, uh, that I've heard, especially in the gay community is, do you know your status? Yeah. Just flat out ask. Yeah. 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 Well, again, we appreciate the conversation on it because it's, it's super helpful for anybody listening and yeah, again, thank you. Yeah. Um, no problem. So being that being that you are listeners for the last ninety eight ish episodes, I mean Ron already shared a little bit of a blooper with uh, learning about his partner's dad's 
Phallus. <laughs> that was a warm up. That was a warm up. One night. <laughs> so do you, do either of you have any other any other funny kind of stories that have come up in the in the few years or in you know in the time that you've been doing this that you'd be willing to share? I told you they were going to ask you this, so I gave you homework. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I really oh no I do actually have one so back uh, when I lived in Minnesota uh, Minneapolis I would go to bear parties um, so to give an idea what a bear is mm-hmm. it's a normally is considered a average to larger male with body hair and some sort of facial hair. So I went to a party, and it was a sex party. Finn is not a bear. I was going to say, so basically picture me, and then the uh, polar, the the, neg- the, the digital negative of me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take the hair on the top of his head and just put it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I was at, I was in the, uh, in in the realm of having fun with this this one guy, and he decided I was in a in a regular armchair, and you know, in the living room, and he decided to lift my legs and put them on the sides of the chair, so my ass was exposed, and proceeded to go down there and uh-huh. eat my eat my ass out, and and I was jerking off, and I'll tell you that come in an eye does not feel good. Oh no. And, and I was, I was skinnier than I am now. And I was, and it just, it happened to just like shoot right into my eye. And it was so quiet in that room, except for moaning, a little bit of moaning. All of a sudden I go, oh my God, oh, it shot in my eye. The whole room bust out laughing. It was, yeah, it was embarrassing. <laughs> that's a good one. Never going to do that again, ever. Yeah. That's why you wear safety glasses. <laughs> yeah. That's why he wears the hood, actually. Yeah, there we go. He's got, he's got like the little doggy glasses that they wear when they're on like a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> I have a pair of those too. <laughs> he actually has a pair. That's awesome. I have a pair of the the round, uh, um, like what are the pilot's glasses? Oh yeah, yeah pilot glasses. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. So, didn't I do recall because I, I remember thinking we were going to talk about this hood, and you guys were. Were you recording in someone's closet and they had panda heads? Panda heads, that's right. Yeah. yeah. We, we, I was like, great, Finn's going to love Lee's puppy. Yeah. 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 We were recording the intro and outro in, in a friend's closet once and we looked up and yeah, these big They were panda like heads. staring at us. From the show. <laughs> it was amazing. So yeah. I'll have to look up what episode that was and uh, put a yeah, link because there's a picture somewhere in, at that episode. Yep, we got a That's picture fine. of it, so for sure. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, I mean, you guys have shared some amazing stuff with us. Is there any any parting words that you want to leave with the listeners? And I'm sure we could talk for hours. We, so. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> could. Oh yeah, not really. Nothing I can think of. The only parting word I would say is uh, re- revolving around a- HIV and and being afraid to get the test um if you are afraid and you're really really just don't want to go and but you have questions talk to someone reach out to someone who either has it or has knowledge of it and just just talk because that person will give you more insight and, and even probably go with you 
mm-hmm. to get the test done. Yeah, and I'm assuming are there are there support systems out there, some communities, you know, whether it's Facebook or some other places that there's communities. There are tons yeah, of communities, and a lot of the bigger cities, New York, uh, Philly, Boston, uh, they there are HIV wellness centers, it doesn't even have to be HIV centers, but there's like LGBT centers. You can even go to a regular clinic and say that you need to talk with a doctor privately about a, a very special or very situational um, thing that you want to, you want knowledge on. And a doctor will make the time, especially if you, if you have a lot of questions and you want it private. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, well, thank you. And then, uh, oh. I was just going to say um, something non-HIV related that I've come up across quite a bit on Facebook with people talking about poly relationships and stuff. And you always get somebody, and I'm sure you've seen it on the straight side of things too, where people say, oh, I've heard so many nightmares about poly relationships. Why would someone want to do that? And I would never do that. And my response to them is always, then don't do it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it just like, you know, monogamy doesn't work for everybody polyamorous stuff doesn't work for everybody or open marriages or swinging or whatever doesn't work for everybody. And it's okay. Yeah. You know, right, exactly. Yeah. It's all good. We don't have to tear each other apart because of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So let me be into just, what I'm into and you can be into what you're into. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. Um, also say that um, if anyone messages you with questions about puppy play, um, I'd be more than welcome to, uh, to answer those questions if, if people have questions. They can also do a search online and they can do searches for adult puppy play. Okay. If they have, like, if they're curious about it and they want to know more. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That's a good That's a good tidbit. And, and maybe the last thing before we let you go is is a chance to, because you've talked about you you have a, you have like a, a small business that you run. And correct me if I'm wrong, Lee, you make kilts? Is that Ron? Ron, Ron, Ron makes kilts. I'm sorry. Ron makes yeah. kilts and Lee makes chainmail. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it's okay. Emma's been making me drink alcohol all day. No, I haven't. <laughs> I can't. Haven't, there's, there's four of you, you right now. You haven't had anything to drink. <laughs> I know. I'm like three days, four days, maybe a week. It's been a long time. <laughs> maybe you do need something to drink, and that's the problem. <laughs> the point was if you'd like to plug yeah. any of the work that you do, please do so. <laughs> So yeah, so my um, my business actually, uh, when I told you about me uh, going and freezing on the, the sidelines at the Maj, I came home and I actually was like, I need to find something that I can center my mind and so on and so forth. And I was actually sitting here at my desk and I was like, I grabbed on my chain. I was like, I got to find something. I got to find something that I can you know do to like and teach myself to focus. And I'm like, how does... How, how, I wonder how it would be, how hard it would be to make these. Three and a half years later, um, I am working up to a vending at a large event that could bring in totally uh, like a ten thousand people wow. to the event. Wow. So I make chainmail chains, collars uh, for uh, for BDSM couples. Um, I make leashes. I make bracelets. I make earrings. I make. Uh, ties. I make bow ties. I'm yeah. That's it's, super cool. It went from went from a total like hobby to yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Very proud of them. It's very. Cool. And do you have a website that we can put links in the show notes? Um, sure. Um, actually, I can send it to you. But um, I'm on Facebook. My business name is Collars by Boz B O Z. Okay. 
and I'm also on Etsy. Okay. okay. Perfect. Um, yeah. Pictures pictures can be seen on Facebook. Yeah, well, we'll we'll uh, we'll put links in the show notes for that. Awesome. Yay. Thank you. Yeah, it's cool. It brings me closer to my retirement. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'll be still here at age 70 trying to make things and say, are you well taken care of, honey? Exactly. <laughs> awesome. And and did I miss, was it not true? You don't make kilts? Somebody made kilts. No, I do, I do make kilts. Okay. Yeah, I'm a kilt maker for a company um, that's local to here, but we sell all around the world, actually. We're doing really, really, really well. Um, my boss is amazing. And um, I'm actually out at work, too. So as gay and poly, and he's fine with it. You know, he rolls his eyes at some things, but I'm very happy to work for an extremely liberal company. Very cool. But, uh, yeah, we do very traditional Scottish kilts, Celtic stuff. Um, none, we don't do leather. We don't do, like, the utility kilts and stuff like that. But, yeah, that's what I do. It's pretty awesome. Awesome. All the tartans are, uh, are made and, and weaved over in Scotland. Yeah. Oh, cool. And then we make them here. Very cool. So. Awesome. Well, I will, ad- I will admit something funny that happened earlier is I had forgot, I had remembered the kilt thing for some reason. And I had forgot that you, that, uh, that Lee made chain mail, like, and, and so when you responded, you said, Oh, we're going to be in the, in the office where, where, <laughs> where Lee does his chain mail business. I was like, that seems archaic. Who still sends out chain mail? <laughs> but then, nice. but then I was like, and you're just talking about it. I was like, oh, that's a different type of chain mail. So uh, nice. I thought you just that's had awesome. like, uh, like stacks of envelopes and stamps and shit. And you're just. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that when I get a group of like boxes to send yeah, me the order. Yeah, sure. I bet. I for bet. sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Wow. Emma, Emma, do you just pat Finn on the head? Yeah. A lot? Yes. yes. I know. I, I didn't wear my helmet, but I should have had it on. So, you didn't actually tell me that until I know. just now. So. I know, because it registered about halfway through this interview when he was like, I make chain mail, and he touched his his collar, and I was like, oh, not fucking letters. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, you that's know, for anybody who's still listening, that'll go down in history. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both for your time and everything you shared. We're super grateful that you reached out and we're super excited to share the story. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, no. And thank you for listening and just yeah, yeah being Absolutely. part of the community. We're super excited to get your story out there. And um, there's definitely going to be people that learn a lot. And also, I'm sure a lot of people that re- will relate to parts of it, too. So at least I'm hopeful. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, have a wonderful evening and uh, we'll be in touch. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Sounds great. Bye. Welcome back. We hope everyone enjoyed. I did your job. You did. Hope everyone enjoyed episode four. (laughs) Really? Those, joke, those jokes just I don't know. get old, do yeah, they? Yeah, it's just amazing. wait till just wait till the next episode. Yeah, I know episode five. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Okay, so thank you, Ron and Lee, for reaching out, coming on the show. We had a blast talking to you, and we hope, and we know actually that I'm sure a lot of people found your story fascinating and super cool. Actually, we know one. We know some people who did because they emailed us literally the day before we published this and they were like, hey, when are you going to have some male-male couples on your show? And we were like, well, tomorrow. sit tight, buckle up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we hope they enjoyed it too. And next week, what do we got? We got a little Monday. Monday. Oh, easy. Hey, we're... (laughs) 
keep it keep it calm. We have a special Monday episode, and this one's going to be with Brandy and Will. Yeah, we actually just met them digitally. Yeah. Uh, virtually. A few weeks ago, and they have a website that they've started called Friends of the Lifestyle. Well, nope. Friends of LS. Yes, sorry. Friends of LS. Lifestyle LS. <laughs> anyway, it's called Friends of LS. We'll put links in the show notes here. Uh, they are here to not necessarily just talk about their their project, but to, they also they, tell their they, story. They share their story, and it's awesome. But in the meantime, while you're waiting to hear more about that, they also gave us a 10% discount code using the offer code Emma. Again, in the show notes, you can get all this information. And yeah, you'll save a little bit of money and find some awesome fun stuff for all your LS adventures. Yes. And then next Wednesday, we have our normal episode. We won't do any spoilers for that yet. So yeah, we hope everyone enjoyed episode 100. And we'll see you Sunday at the meet and greet on the online. Oh, the Q&A. The Q&A. Yeah, you called it a meet and greet and confused me. Well, it's we, a, it's a virtual will, meet and greet. We'll be, we'll be meeting and greeting online. That's <laughs> true. All right. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and we'll see everybody on Sunday. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>